When she looked ahead, Florence Chadwick saw nothing but a solid wall of fog. Her body was numb, and she had been swimming for nearly 16 hours. Already she was the first woman, uh, the one, first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. And now at the age of 34, her goal was to become the first woman to swim from Catalina to the California coast. On that 4th of July morning in 1952, the sea was like an ice bath and the fog was so dense that she could hardly see her support boats. Sharks cruised towards her lone figure in the water, only to be driven away by rifle shots against the frigid grip of the sea, though she struggled on. Hour after hour, as millions of people watched her on national television. Alongside Florence in one of her boats was her mother and her trainer to offer her encouragement. They told her it wasn't much farther, but she couldn't see because of the fog. So they urged her not to quit, and she never had until then. She asked to be pulled out of the water, not realizing that she was only a half a mile away from land. Still thawing out her frozen, chilled body, she told a reporter after a couple hours, look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I'd have made it. It wasn't fatigue, it wasn't even the cold water that defeated her, it was the fog that caused her to be unable to see her goal. Some of you might remember that story. Some of you might remember even watching that on national television a number of decades ago. You'll also remember then, two months later, she tried to swim again. And this time, despite the same fog, she swam with her faith intact and her goal clearly pictured in her mind. She knew somewhere behind that fog was land. And this time she made it. Florence Chadwick became the first woman to swim the Catalina Channel, actually eclipsing the men's record by nearly two hours. That story reminds me of what Jesus is trying to do with his disciples in Mark chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Mark chapter 8. Actually, we're looking at Mark 8 and Mark 9. Some of you will have them underneath your chairs here. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one out of our Next Step Center. You can take that. It's yours to keep. We hope that you'll just open it up throughout the week. Let me set the story here in Mark chapter 8. In Mark chapter 8, um, Jesus has finished feeding 4,000 people. You'll see that in verses 1 through 10. And actually, two chapters before, in Mark chapter 6, he has already fed 5,000 people. And Jesus has now gathered quite a following around him, and the people are starting to take notice. And we see now Jesus kind of pulling away from the crowds after these miracles that he's performed, and he's spending time with his disciples, and he's kind of debriefing them as to what's going on. And then, unsure about what's taking place, look who interrupts in verse 11. Dun, dun, dun. The Pharisees. 
They come in because they know the masses are now starting to follow Jesus. They know when you feed them like he did that the masses are going to follow. You know, we look at it and say, wow, 4,000 people, 5,000 people, that's not a whole lot. We, we've seen many more people fed at sporting events and, and even, you know, uh, promise keepers and women of faith and other events like that. That's not a big deal. Back in this day, it was huge. They didn't have refrigeration. They couldn't keep food like this. In fact, the last place this was seen was probably in the Old Testament when manna fell from the sky and God fed millions. Now, Jesus is doing this to the masses, to the thousands, and clearly the people that are seeing this as a God thing. I mean, isn't that the, the truth? When, when Jesus begins to feed the thousands, people want to elevate him. People want to raise him up. People want to now make him king. Specifically, we see that even in John chapter 6, where Jesus has done these miracles, and he's pleasing and feeding the thousands, of feeding them, and the people are trying to make him a king. It really hasn't even changed today. You get a leader that promises to feed the masses, keep the economy going, jobs and such, th th people elect you. And that's what's taking place here. And that's not the, what Jesus is after. But the Pharisees are sniffing this out. And they're saying, okay, hold on a second here. We've got to look out for this guy. And in chapter 8, verse 11, it says this. It's up on the screen too. It says, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him, him being Jesus. Verse 12 and 13, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other Side. Now that's all important background information for where I want to pick up the story in verse 14. Here's what it says. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. So while the disciples are worried about like where their next meal is coming from, Jesus decides to lift the fog a little bit. Jesus decides, okay, let's give a little teaching moment right here. And, and get the picture of what's going on here, okay? They are forging across the Sea of Galilee. Disciples start to get a little bit hungry. They start kind of looking to each other. Someone's like, did you, bring, I didn't bring, I, did you bring bread? I didn't bring bread. No. Who, who brought the bread? And Jesus is starting to hear these kind of whispers. And, it, you know, it's kind of hard to be in a boat with Jesus because he, like, knows what's even on their hearts, right, before he even says it and the people are talking. And so Jesus kind of throws this in. He cautioned them, saying, verse 15, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. All right, let me, let me, let me kind of explain this, because the disciples did not get this. And so 2,000 years later, maybe we don't kind of get this as, as well. But let's talk about the Pharisees and, uh, and Herod, that, that statement. Usually there are two groups that are battling Jesus wherever he goes. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, the Pharisees were an interesting religious group because they believed in the resurrection. They believed in life after death. The Sadducees were the other group that often argued with Jesus. They did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in life after death, which made them sad, you see. Okay? Do you see how that kind of goes together? All right? Sadducees, that's a way to remember it. <clears throat> All right. Herod, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> was the ruler over Israel appointed by Rome. So Roman rule came over the entire country of Israel. Uh, in, Rome said, let's throw Herod in there. And so Herod had this group of followers. They were a political sect called the Herodians, who believed that Israel should submit to Rome. 
The Pharisees, however, said, no, 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 no. We do not need to submit to Rome. No way. So these two groups were often in conflict as well. And Jesus is now saying, watch out for the leaven. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Herodians, Herod or Herodians, his followers. Watch out for the way they do things. Watch out for their unbelief. Watch out for the evil in their lives. Even as small as it may be, don't allow that yeast or that leaven to grow in you. Even a small amount pollutes you. It would be a little bit like if you went over to our cafe and you got one of those frou-frou type drinks over there, you know, that they sell. I don't know what it is, mocha coffee, latte, whatever. Shout out your favorite drink. What is it over there? Latte, hot chocolate, whatever it may be. Okay, let's say you got one of those and then they say, would you like a little whipped cream in that? And you say, of course, yeah. And then they say, would you like a little bit of chocolate on top of that? Of course, yes. Would you like a little bit of powdered chocolate? Of course. Would you like a little bit of cyanide? And you're like, whoa, what, 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 what? They say, no, 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 it's okay. It's just a little bit. It's not very much. You won't even taste it. It's fine. What do you say? No way, Uh uh-uh, even just a little bit, right? Even a little bit. And so Jesus is saying, hold on, even a little bit of the yeast that can grow, because you know, a little bit of yeast in that bread causes it to grow. Even just a little bit of that, you've got to be aware. But disciples, they haven't grasped all this yet. They're not understanding. The fog hasn't lifted. They didn't understand what Jesus was getting at. And so it says in verse 16... And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. So Jesus, right? Jesus, being aware of their small thinking, says, go bigger. Lift the fog. And so he asked them a number of questions, as, as I find are great ways to bounce off and say, okay, God, what are you doing in the midst of this? And so Jesus says, let me get at this. He asks them some questions. He says, um, are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Remember what? Probably remember. I just fed 4,000. Just fed 5,000. Come on, guys. Do you not remember all this? Verse 19. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you take up? And they said, what? Twelve. Notice one for each disciple. Shouldn't they kind of be getting this? And the seven for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? See, the fog hadn't lifted. The the picture had not developed yet. That they could rely solely upon Jesus for every need that they have. And um, that just a little unbelief was just a little bit too much. And that just a little bit of evil was just a little bit too much. And that now they, though, didn't have to worry about where their next meal would come would come from because Jesus was on board. Now they didn't have to worry about life's uncertainty because Jesus was with them and walking with them. Ah. Disciples were 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 kind of grasping some but it wasn't there yet. 
So let me ask you some questions. Because, you know, those were the disciples in the boat. And certainly there are some disciples here in 2017. Let's look at this. Let's go back to verse 17. Ask the question. Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Why those menial kind of things are you going after? Haven't I promised to take care of you? I mean, you just read Matthew chapter 6. You see, he takes care of the birds of the air, the animals of the fields. He'll take care of you. Next part of the verse. Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Now, go back to the book of Exodus. You've read the Old Testament. Oftentimes, we'll hear this word. His heart was hardened. His heart was hardened. You remember who that was talking about? Pharaoh, yeah, yeah, that his heart was hardened. And now the disciples have kind of entered into this. Maybe their hearts were getting hardened because they're not believing. Verse 18, having eyes you do not see, having ears you do not hear. Kind of reminds me of the scenario, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, right? Okay, okay. I, I mean, I sometimes wonder, is that what God thinks of me when I start acting like this and I'm not doing this and taking the steps. And then he throws in there in verse 18, do you not remember, you don't remember that I fed 19 and 20, 21, I fed the 4,000, I fed all those people. I, you know, I can take care of you. Guys, then verse 21 gets down to her, is it still foggy? Do you still not grasp it? Do you still not yet understand Kind of reminds me of the story about the um, lady of high society who was gazing upon an image that she had never seen before in an art museum. And she says, my dear fellow, she says this to a condescendingly, kind of condescendingly to the curator who is there. I have never seen this painting before. I find the image shallow and rather rude in appearance. What do you call this? The curator answered her without even the slightest expression. That, madame, is a mirror. Not a lot of vision there, huh? She hadn't gotten it. It's all foggy for her. Okay? Jesus is here in the boat, and he's like, okay, guys, guys, we've just been through some of this. Come on now. Can you get it? The fog is lifting. You can understand this better. The disciples in 1920 saying, you know what? I provided for you in the past. I've already done this very vividly. You don't think I'm going to let you down now, do you? Look, see, catch a bigger vision. And then he goes on, and I don't think this is by accident at all. The next section there is verses 23 through um, uh, 26. Look at what it says. They bring a blind man to him, and in verse 23 it says, He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village, and when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he said, Do you what? You see anything? Disciples were having a little bit of eye problem. They couldn't see Now, this guy physically cannot see. Mark put these two together for a purpose. Verse 24 says, and he looked up and he said, uh, the blind man said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and opened his eyes. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Now, don't you think Jesus could have given him full sight the first time? he could have done that the first time. Why did he do it gradually? Why did he go and and, and do it once and then give him a second time and and, and heal him completely then? 
perhaps Jesus knows us so well that if we get something handed to us immediately, we just say, hey, thanks, God, and we're on our way. We do it our own way. Maybe you've been praying for something. Maybe something has not come into vision for you. Maybe there's been a fog over some decisions in your life, and it's just not quite computing now. Sometimes that gradual lifting, that fog, lifting of the fog, makes us more dependent upon God and what he continually wants to do in us instead of an instant kind of healing that comes upon us. And so there's more sight that's been given here now. And Mark is tracking through this. And then again, it's no coincidence that in the very next section, we see in verses 27 through 30, that now he asks them, hey, who do people say that I am? And well, some call you John the Baptist, some call you Elijah. And But Peter steps up and he says, but you are the what? You're the Christ. I see that now. And at least Peter's gotten it. Maybe the other 12 haven't gotten it yet. But Peter's getting it. He's catching on. He's seeing it. And you go even a little farther now into chapter 9. And again, Mark put this in here as this is the transfiguration. Remember that was when he took Peter, James, and John up to a mountaintop? And he kind of peels back his, you know, the S under, Jesus peels back the S to show, you know, he is God's son. Here I am. And he, shows this vision, and Matthew, or um, Peter, James, and John, they're like, oh, what do we say? And the voice comes from heaven. You don't got to say anything. Just be here. Just be, oh, this is so good, says Peter. Let's just stay here. Jesus says, no, I'm just giving you a glimpse. Just kind of letting you know what's going on. For when I leave, then you can talk more about this. Jesus is revealing that to them. He's enlarging their, uh, their vision. He's saying, look what I've done. Look who I am. See where this is going. All right, you have this brochure. Would you take that out? Don't open it up yet. If you just look at the front cover of it, I want to kind of open this to you uh, one by one by one by one. We're going to look a little bit at what God has done in 2016 in our church and then we're going to look and see where he is leading us into 2017. And so if you would, would you read what we wrote on the front of this um, brochure? Okay, let's read this together. Here we go. Go. Together we took our next step in knowing Jesus and making him known. Together we saw countless lives changed. All right, open it up. You'll see on there... We want to take a look back at 2016. You see, I wrote a little something. I'll let you read that later. You see our moderator, Craig Miller, uh, chairman of our board of deacons, uh, also wrote something there. Please read those um, today after the service. Uh, go ahead and turn to the next page. And you'll see we wrote on there um, the attendance numbers that we have there. You know, I, I, someone challenged me afterwards, and they said, you know, could you imagine if everybody came every week? how much higher your attendance would be because this is a lot of people who come maybe once a month, maybe twice a month, and they're in and out, work schedules and things like that. But here's what we've been able to average over the course of this year. Our Spanish church there as well, our children's program, First Bee Kids, the wonderful things that they've been doing, our, our student ministries. Again, I'll let you look at the numbers. First Baptist Christian School at the bottom of the page. I think it's kind of significant. 197 other families are reached that are not here on Sunday mornings, that are not here on Wednesday nights, but they're reached five days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, during the school hours. Um, those are families that are reached. Many of those have five, six, seven people in their families. Go to the next page. The No Grow Serve Share. Not flip it over, but just on the, next, on the uh, other side. The No Grow Serve Share. Let me camp here for just a bit. 
We're thrilled that 70 people said, yes, I have a faith, a newfound faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm getting baptized in Flasher. 70 people were able to baptize, but we know there are many more who are ready to take that step. And today, you heard Pastor Scott talk a little bit about that. I want to challenge you. If you have never taken that step to be baptized, if you would call yourself a Christ follower, if you have given your life to him, accepted him by faith, but have not taken that step, this year you need to take that step. This needs to be that year. We have a meeting right afterwards. If you just stay right out those doors up the baptistry, we'll go over what that means. How about the grow section right next to that? Walk through the Old Testament. We're able to have 468 people who came to the live event. We had 52 different community groups all around the city of Stockton. Uh, nearly 600 people in those community groups studying God's Word, going through the whole Old Testament. Nine different Sunday school classes that we have here on the grounds with another 168 people. That doesn't even count the electives that we just started up this last Wednesday. And by the way, if you are able to come on Wednesday night and get into one of those electives, or if you're needing to get into a community group, now is a great time to jump in. What about the serve? Look, we 34 different ministries here at First Baptist Church that you can get connected into. In fact, nearly 700 people have said, yes, we want to be a part of the ministries that First Baptist offers on these grounds and off these grounds in the city of Stockton as well. And then the share element, you see the love boxes and the caring Christmas tree gifts that we were able to give out. I think it's significant, too, that Pastor Mark with his team got into 10 different school districts and invited 4,500 kids to come to our grounds on Easter. And we saw 31 of those kids give their lives to Christ on Easter Sunday. And that children's ministry team followed up on those and trying to walk them through that process and when they're ready to get baptized as well. Um, you know, we, we just say, okay, let's evaluate this by no gross serve share. No gross serve share. Those are some of the things that we've been able to do. Now, there's a lot more that we should be doing. There's a lot more people that we should be reaching. But we'll talk about that in just a bit. Go ahead and turn the page. Our mission trips. <clears throat> you can see many of them throughout northern... Uh, uh, um, North America as well as Central America, Honduras, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala. Maybe this is the year that you jump into a mission trip because you've never done some before. Maybe gleanings down in the heart of our Central Valley. Maybe it's Costa Rica. Maybe it's up in Kodiak. Whatever it may be. We, uh, this past year, offered eight trips. We support 33 different agencies around the world here in the United States that further the cause of Christ. Breakfast clubs serve so faithfully on Saturdays, many times between 300 and 500 people lining up for meals every Saturday morning that our breakfast club goes and serves. None of that happens, though. Look at the next page. If we don't give, not turning the page, but just onto the giving section, to uh, things like missions. Quarter of a million dollars, we're able to say we give to missions and wanting to see God's work go forth. That means our total giving, 2.115 million, we're able to, and you know what? You guys blew us out of the water with the Christmas matching gift. We had a family step up and say, I want to put this out there as a matching gift, $52,500 to be able to come in and help the budget here at First Baptist Church. And I love the 745 number. You see where that is? Household giving units. That means a husband and wife team, or that means a family unit that give. Uh, that many are saying, yes, we believe in the ministry here at First Baptist, and we want to give and be a part of what is going on. Now, that doesn't even include 
all the 2020 vision campaign. If you're here for the first time today, we've had a campaign going on for the whole last year to pay off our children's building in our ministry center. And so we entered into 2016 at 3.2 uh, million. We got that down now to 2.665 million. That means 850, or excuse me, 581,000 has been given. And part of that, why the numbers don't kind of match up there, is because $31,000 of that campaign, people have said, we want to give to the Imagine Projects. We want to see human trafficking be obliterated here in this county. And so we've given thousands and thousands of dollars to help with that. We want to help marriages. We want to see a seniors pastor here. And Pastor Darrell is able to come on staff because of that giving you were able to bless us with. And then, you know, part of that whole project was, you'll see, ending balance for the ministry center, which is the Spanish church over on the corner, a balance of zero because we were able to pay that off in this past year. Turn the page. You see some of the series that we were in over the course of 2016. If you did not catch some of those messages, you can go to the website that's lifted, listed there. I would encourage you to do that as we have hundreds who do that. Follow us online. You see the mission, helping people take their next step in knowing Jesus and making him known again. Knowing Jesus, growing in his great love for us, serving in the name of Jesus, and then sharing our personal faith. But what I want to camp on here for just a bit is the 2017 Looking Forward. So turn to that page. Oftentimes we talk about our values. And if you have not seen all ten of those values put together, here they are. On the left-hand side, you'll notice there's only nine. That's because the tenth one is over on the other side. What we're emphasizing is prayer. But let me go through each of those values very quickly because you'll see the vision start to develop. We sat down with our staff and we began to pray about this and say, okay, where can this go? We took a survey from all of you a year ago at this time and said, what do you want to see happen here in the church? And that's what this is developed from. You'll see under the vision column that in the light or not bold areas, those are things that we've always done that we always hold very high. But the bold are the new things that we'll be doing this year in the fall time. We're going to do walk through the New Testament. So we've already done the walk through the Old Testament last year. This fall, we're going to walk through the New Testament. In the fall time, we're also going to have a 24-hour Bible readathon. You say, what in the world is that? That's where, heading into the walk through the New Testament, we're going to read the entire New Testament right here from, these, uh, from this pulpit on a Saturday morning to a Sunday morning, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for 24 hours. And we're going to allow anybody to sign up. You come in, husband and wives, you come in with children. We're going to pick it up right at the beginning at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning and start with the book of Matthew. And then when someone has read for about 10 minutes, they're going to hand it over to someone else. They'll read for 10 minutes. You hand it over to someone else. They'll read for 10 minutes. You hand it over to someone else. They'll read for 10 minutes. And throughout the entire time for 24 hours, we're going to read from this place. And we think that's a significant thing, that that Bible will be read through the entire New Testament in that 24-hour period. And Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, we'll say the words, Amen, because that's the last word in the New Testament. And we'll be into worship, and we'll be into our campaign. I hope you'll be a part of that. You'll remember it, especially if you're here at 3 a.m. in the morning. You'll remember that one, won't you? Yeah, if you're not a night owl, sign up for another time during the day um, that you can be a part of that. Worship, that value of worship that we have. We're going to start doing quarterly prayer and worship services. Those start up in March, and Pastor Stephen is spearheading that for us. You see, fellowship, we're going to do it in a little different way. Our church membership class will happen in the summer, and we'll share more about that as that comes on. Discipleship, walk through the New Testament again, because that value fits in biblical authority as well as discipleship. But we're going to have one-on-one mentoring. If you you've never been mentored and you'd like to. 
Pastor Derek is leading kind of the charge in the men's ministry, and Valerie Turner is leading the charge in the women's ministry. We're getting these groups up to be able to do one-on-one mentoring with people. Ministry. We want everybody here who attends First Baptist to have a ministry. And if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, Pastor Derek will be leading a class on that in the next few weeks. Listen to that on February 19th and 26th so that you can discover how did God shape you so that you can begin to serve. Evangelism. Again, we encourage people to invite, invite, invite. Easter time's a great time. Christmas time is a great time. But what about other times during the year? We're going to call those go events where you go and you invite someone to come in. Uh, you know, one of those we just did last weekend. A bunch of men went to a, a hockey game and had chili in the Welcome Center. I met over a dozen new people on that night that I'd never met before. I pray many of them will start to come around here. They rub shoulders with guys around here. Our women do that with Bunko and other things like that. We call those go events, be they Sunday morning services or other things we do. Marriage. We, we, we highlight, we value marriage. That's why we have the Valentine's February 11th um, uh, day. And you know what? You should invite someone to come to that. You will not be sorry. You know, you go through some of those events, you're like, I wish I would have brought someone. I wish I would have. I wish I would have. This would be one of those that you say, I wish I would have been there. You say, I wish I would have even invited someone. But then you also see a marriage conference coming up. We're going to do that in um, uh, May. Jim Burns, national speaker, uh, author of many books, come in with his wife and they'll teach us on marriage and the value of marriage and just things that we can all be doing to strengthen our marriages. You think about all people and the way that we, you know, singles ministry and, 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 and counseling and mission trips and divorce recovery, lay counseling. Pastor Derek has a team of people who are being trained to be counselors. Pastor Daryl's developing one for people going through a tough time in their life or grief. Those things are going to be coming about in the upcoming year. And then, under the value of excellence, we want these grounds to be excellent. And so, Pastor Scott said, how about we have a work day? We often go out to the community. How about we have one here on these grounds that we beautify our campus as well? And then you see the last one over on the other side, the other page, prayer. Obviously, we've been highlighting prayer. You see the 24-hour prayer vigil that will be taking place leading into Holy Week. You see that we're going to do a corporate fast. And yes, Baptists, you can fast, okay? All right? Understand that. Okay? We can do that. Monthly prayer highlights, like Pastor Scott led us in praying for the leaders of our country. The, The big question here is, what's your next step? That's the question that we are asking. What is your next step? step because we all should be having those steps that we are taking every one of us should have steps that are on our radar every one of us should have places in our lives where god is becoming bigger and greater and that fog is lifting and we want to be on god-sized journeys in 2016 but it doesn't happen from just a sprint it happens from a step by step by step by step, by step. I met with a gal this last week, gave her life to Christ a couple of years ago. She's been coming here on Sunday mornings, but she says, this is the year I am ready to jump in. My work schedule's been keeping me from doing it. This is the year I'm ready to jump in. Some of you today need to receive Christ. You've been coming around the church, but you haven't actually given your heart to Christ. Maybe you, like Peter today, are saying, ah, fog lifted. I recognize it. You're the Christ, Jesus. You are the son of the living God. You need to make that profession first and foremost. Others of you need to get baptized. If you have not been baptized yet, like I said, there's a meeting right afterwards in two weeks. We're going to celebrate, and it's one of those days that you're going to wish that you were in the water if you are a Christ follower, if you've not been baptized by full immersion under the water and back up. Maybe it's somewhere in the area of no, grow, serve, and share. Maybe you haven't had a heart for worship. 
And this year, you're asking God, open my heart up. I want to worship you in a greater way. Maybe you need to be more regular here on Sunday mornings to make it a priority. Maybe you need to be on time on Sunday mornings. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, starting to meddle now, huh? What's your next step? What's your next step in the grow area? What's your next step in the serve area? How about in the share area? Maybe, you, maybe this is the year you say, okay, God, I've never trusted you with my finances. This is the year. I'm going to step out. I'm going to start giving on a regular basis. And just watch. Just watch how God continues to stay, uh, take care of you, how he's so faithful. If you're holding back, then he can't be faithful to you because you're not allowing, you're not trusting. You see the 10 values. You see the steps you need to take. Step out. Take those steps. In fact, this is the way I said it last service. If you give your church five hours a week, we will change the city of Stockton. Give Jesus everything. Give your life to him. But give your church five hours a week to know, grow, serve, and share through the ministry of First Baptist, we will change the city of Stockton. To be committed to him. To say, yes, I'm giving my time, my treasure, my talents. Five hours. Five hours a week. Can I do that? Coming on Sunday mornings. Being a part of a community group or Sunday school class. Serving in a ministry. Giving faithfully. Yes, five hours a week. We'll change the city of Stockton. Jesus, Jesus said, man, this movement... And we look back on it now, 2,000 years later, Jesus started a movement that changed this world. And he's inviting each and every one of us, get on board, step, take steps, help to create that change in his spirit. It's his spirit working in and through us to do that. You know, one of the biggest fog lifters that the disciples had was when Jesus came together with his disciples in an upper room. And um, he actually probably gave them more fog, and they couldn't understand what was taking place. But later, they looked back, and they said, oh, that's what Jesus was talking about. It's um, what we call the Lord's Supper or communion time. And Jesus pulled his disciples into an upper room. He gathered together, and interesting, we've talked about bread. He, again, pulled out some bread. And he broke the bread for them, and he said, this is my body given for you, take and eat. And he pulled out a cup and poured some wine and said, this is my blood shed for you. And I guarantee you, they didn't fully, fully understand what that was, but they were obedient. They did it. And Jesus said, do this until I come back. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember you. What are you going to do, Jesus? Just watch. And within just a few days, he died on the cross. And with just a few days, he rose from the grave. And in just a few days, he was alive again, and then he was up into heaven. And then the disciples got it. They understood. Something that we understand now as we look back some 2,000 years. But we now being his disciples fit in with that. Because he said, do this until I come again. So these elements we have before you, and that will be passed out into the balcony as well. Understand, this is not a Baptist table. You don't have to be just a member here at First Baptist. This is open to anybody who is in the Lord's family, who has said yes to Jesus. And if you have, then we invite you to take those elements. There's just one cup that's in there. It actually has two in it. And you'll see there's a wafer, and you'll see there's a little juice. Take that, hold that, hold that in your hands, and we will do, join together. But as you're waiting, 
as you're even holding those elements and looking at them. Examine your heart. See if there's places that you need forgiveness. See if there's places that you haven't fully given over to the Lord. And then when we come back together, I'll lead us in recognizing what Jesus did for us on the cross through his body, God, I thank you for what this symbolizes. I thank you for your acceptance of us. Even when perhaps we're like the disciples in the boat who don't quite understand what it all means. God, I thank you for lifting the fog. I thank you for inviting us in. I thank you for the steps that you want us to take and the growth you want to have us share with you. Thank you that we identify with you in your suffering. And Lord, through that, we are victorious. You are an amazing God. We love you. We love you. And it's in the name of Jesus now that we pray. Amen.